Hello and welcome to a very special episode of George and Charlie Off the Bridal. I'm Tony Rushmer, joined as always by racehorse trainers George Scott and Charlie Fellows. This is our final episode of 2021 and at last we've returned to home turf, that's the King's Head Dullingham, where we launched our podcast getting on for nearly three years ago. pals at Partners Fitstairs came up with the idea of a live one a couple of years ago and it was a terrific evening here in the King's Head. So with their support and backing, we're here again. And yes, we're joined once more by a live audience, which will all add to the fun. So let's get started. Given we have a live audience, I thought it'd be fun to find out a bit more about you and Charlie and your lives. And I've always wondered, I know you're racehorse trainers, and I've always thought, what would you be suited to if you weren't working in racing? Is there anything else you would have liked to have done? Well, there's definitely been points in the last couple of years I've considered other options. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I don't know. Look, honestly, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a funny one, isn't it, racing? Because... Um, I don't know why we do it, but it's sort of, it's in your blood, isn't it? You just, you, Can I answer that for him? Go on. I think he's wasted. I don't know what you're doing as a trainer. I think he is, <laughs> he is the most, un, I have never, ever met anyone who is as good a salesman as George Scott is. And I think if he was working in the city, he'd be making millions and millions selling something. Moving on, George. Charlie, what would you have done had you not trained racehorses? Ever given that any thought? I would, I would have loved to have got into music. My brother's a DJ, and I, I would love to have done something in music, probably. And you think you could have worked successfully in that world? Have you got I any musical inclinations? I myself as like a DJ. I'd love to be up on DJ. the stage DJing. And what about school life, chaps? Did either of you excel in any particular realm? I'll start with you, Charlie. What was your, if you like, your go-to subject? You thought, yeah, I'm good at this. No, I saved myself for the sort of sporting field. I was a sort of sporting hero in my school. In your head? Yeah, in my head. Uh, I was not at all a sporting hero. I, I didn't really excel in anything. I just sort of bumbled my way through knowing that I wanted to train horses. I think, yeah, I think that's the problem as well. You know, we talk about doing other things, other jobs, and, you know, the passion, when you have a passion for... For, it sounds a little bit cringe, but when you have a passion for something, you know, I've, I realised halfway through school that I wanted, to, I wanted to train. And, you know, fortunately, I was very lucky that... You know, the people around me, my housemaster and my parents, you know, they, they, they gave, gave it the green light and there was never any, any fight. But, you know, you get a long way down your, with your education and, you know, everyone invests a lot in, in each of us. And, and suddenly you say you want to train horses to run around the field and it all gets a bit, everyone gets a bit upset. But so I never excelled at anything at school, to be honest, because I knew to, I wanted to go to... You didn't go to uni, did you? No, did you? I did, yeah. Where did you, where were you? I went to Leeds. Leeds. Oh, that's a wasted three years. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. <laughs> what Sorry? did you read? What was the what, what did you study there? Philosophy. Very useful. <laughs> what a joke. Very useful. Honestly. Heavyweight degree. I yeah. actually wanted to do English, but my grades weren't good enough, so I ended up downgrading to philosophy, which you can get into with like three C's and a D. Philosophy is extraordinary. Uh, and actually, I loved it. It was great, but wasn't what I intended to do. Do you know what? I, I've always said that when people like friends kids are coming through and they love horses and they love training i've always said to go to university if you i'm a big i'm although i didn't go to university and i don't, I don't regret i don't regret my decision not going 
I, I've always, I always think that universities, I think life's as much about people, meeting people, and it's a great opportunity, isn't it, to meet people. Yeah, three good And although you, know, although you spend most of your time messing around and you, know, <laughs> don't, you end up not getting a degree. Did you get a degree? I did. What did you get? 2-1. It's good Rocky. work, Matt. I'd nap you for a 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> no, Desmond, yeah. <laughs> well, I loved it. It was great. It was the best I'd have loved, Yeah, life. I'd have loved it. Was it was absolutely that. phenomenal. And I met my wife, so... When was the Big moment? positive, Absolutely. Be best, best meeting of my life into my microphone. <laughs> She'll be listening, not. When was <laughs> the, no way she when, doesn't when, listen. You can say no whatever time. you like about yeah. it, will not, she will not listen to the podcast. So George, you knew that you were going to train when you were at school. When did you know? And you're, you, did, did you come from a racing background, either of you? I mean, like, Charlie, were you racing? Uh, no, not at all. No, I, I, I told my mum and dad when I was seven years old that I wanted to be Frankie Dottori. And that was never, uh, you know, height, not weight, height was always an issue. Uh, and then when I was like 10, they were like, you're not going to be a jockey. I said, I want to be a trainer. I didn't have a clue what that entailed. I didn't have a clue what I was you know, talking about, but I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in racing and it went from there. And so just to talk about the pathways that you both took, obviously you went to study in Leeds. You left school and walked straight into racing stables as a pupil? Yeah, yeah, no, I did. I mean, I'll slightly come back to that. I, at the time, I didn't know, but my great-grandfather trained in Newmarket between the two wars, and he trained out, he trained out at Kirtling. So it was, it's been interesting kind of going back. He was, a gam he was a gambling stable. They used to put the horses on the train and uh, used to go up to Doncaster on the train. And he said, it, it was, my grandfather said he, was, he used to go up under, like sleep under the stalls and go up. And I think for the guys that here obviously work on the, on the lime kilns, you know, they had the old surcingle with the rugs, like, you know, when they walk around before they work. He used to sit on his pony and all the lads would, you know, with it, you know Henry always used to have yeah. a Cecil. He was the only trainer I would tell them, take the surcingle off, take yeah. the rug off before they galloped and used to chuck them down to him. So his little pony down at the start of the gallop would have 10 rugs laid over his withers and then he'd trot up the heath after they galloped. And, and so I have a sort of, sort of a history, a little bit of history in, in, in Newmarket, which I only discovered after I started training. But yeah, I left, I left um, school. I went straight to work for Paul Nichols. I was a stable lad. I mucked out. I rode a horse called Breeds Breeze every, every single day. And I was there. He won the Tollworth Hurdle. He was owned by Jeff Smith, which is a group one. I schooled him with Ruby Walsh and all that lot before Cheltenham. And, you know, we had the first three in the Gold Cup. We had the first three in the Gold Cup that year with Denmo and Kato Star and Neptune. It was an amazing starting point. Um, I'm paying dividends now. <laughs> well, my jumpers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've had a couple of jumpers this year. They haven't done too badly, but they seem to have a pro problem uh, getting over the last and up to the line. <laughs> it's lucky. But yeah, so I did that and I, had, I, had fit, I was riding point to points at that time. And so it was, it was a perfect introduction for me. And, you know, I was, I was, as I said, I was mucking out every day and I was getting, I think I turned up with my point-to-point -point boots on the first day with my, my, you know, the jockey boots. So I got plenty of Slaughtered. Grief. Yeah. Charlie, what was your introduction into a racing stable? J jumping introduction as well. Nicky Henderson. Wow. Yeah, first job. What, six weeks doing in the summer holidays? Less than that. Like, <laughs> I think it was about three weeks, summer holidays. I must have slept in God knows how many times. Did you actually? <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, every afternoon. God, you're fresh yeah. off the back of three years at university. I was like, no, 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 no. I was way younger than that. I was 14. Oh, really? I was, yeah, it was school holidays. Uh, 
parents got me a job with Nicky because my mum knows his brother, I think. Your mum had a couple of horses in training with him? No, sadly <laughs> not. No, that was Jeff Rag. That was in a syndicate with Jeff Rag. That was how I really got into it, is because mum was in a syndicate. But um, I went to Nicky. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Charlie Longson was assistant. Corky was there, and he looked after me, basically. And I was riding. My lads, who are a few of them are here, will laugh at that because they think I'm an awful rider. But at the time, I was light enough to ride out. And I remember the first time I got on a horse, uh, we went into the covered ride, and this thing clearly knew that I was a complete amateur um, (laughs) and had me off within... 10 minutes, I was on the floor. And I think Nicky was like, oh, God, what have I got myself into? Uh, and anyway, I then spent about the next two weeks trotting. And the last three days, they let me canter up the canter. And that was great. And I was hooked. It's done. It's just amazing how horses know, you know, that when if you're, if you're inexperienced. Like, you know, when you see people come sort of fresh off the boat. And when I, I mean, I got... I got run away with so many times when I was starting out. It's, a, it's just, isn't it? It's just a knack. It's, I've got a hack in training at the moment and I'm just delaying getting on him. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it Who's that? Escalator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who won in Dubai? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. yeah. So did He's he... actually very, very good. So I think at some point I'm going to have to... Well, let me know. Bite the bullet, get on ride him. <laughs> so your riding days aren't behind you then? It could well happen. We might. Yeah, but you have to have year. a haircut if you're going to ride out. Yeah, I know. Because otherwise you can I do it in a ponytail. We're all coming out the back. <laughs> Chuck Thornton. Yeah. Uh, look, it's just terrible. Has look. Samark mentioned your hair? Because Samark has taken close um, scrutiny of Charlie's um, appearance over the last few years, including his uh, the times when you've bypassed a razor and, and he's commented has Samart made any reference of late to your hirsute appearance luckily our lots don't really coincide at the moment so i haven't <laughs> seen him much so i haven't bumped into him but i'm he at some point i will bump into him and i know that it'll be pretty disapproving indeed and if we if we fast track to our pupil assistant assistant days in this town yeah you served obviously james fanshawe you worked for michael bell and then Lady Cecil. What do you remember about your times as pupil stroke assistants, lads? I mean, the Lady Cecil thing was it was it was an amazing time in my life because it was it was a unique it was a uni- unique situation. I was out in California working for I'd done a year in a, on the East Coast and I just moved to California and I was loving life there. And um, I'd done eight weeks of, of a year stint and my phone rang and it was David Loder. I mean, some of you will know who he is. Some of you, like one of, you know, he was a, a good old fin trainer and now buys horses. And he said, I've got a job I want you to come and take. And I said, I'm quite enjoying LA life here, David. <laughs> and he said, look, I mean, spin back six weeks i was sat on the wet sloppy track it was hammering it down with rain and i got an email you know as we do from the tdn saying that sir henry Cecil had died and you know he'd lost his battle with cancer and you know obviously you know i thought at the time god that's such sad news but little did i know that six weeks later my phone would be ringing and it was david loader and jane cecil henry's widow was uh, very close to david it was his secretary and he said look jane cecil wants to carry on training um, you know, they've got some wonderful horses here and some great staff and two of her main patrons, uh, Judmont and Nyarka's family, are keen to keep the horses in the yard and she needs an assistant trainer. So I sort of couldn't, you know, it was, a, it was an incredible opportunity. You know, Henry had just had Frankel and the, the yard was very much blo- blossoming at the time of his death. You know, there were a lot of horses. 
And you know, it was just a surreal moment I'll never forget. But so I came back and came back into a war zone, really. You know, Tony and I met at this juncture and there were probably 80 to 100 horses still in training at that point. It got back, this big job, it was all in the racing post, you know, big interview, it came back and, you know, and, but very much wanted to stay completely out under the radar. You know, we wouldn't get through a morning and someone would ring up and say, look, I'm really sorry, we're taking the horses away you know, thank you for all you've done. And like, it was just like horse box after horse box. And it was like, it was a kind of, it was an amazing time, but it was a stressful, you know, a lot of individual owners took their horses away because, you know, they'd had them in training with Sir Henry, the greatest trainer of all time. And, you know, they sort of thought about it for a few weeks and started stripping them back out the yard. I think, I think the, the point though, is we had our day and then some with Noble Mission, which I know. No, yeah, but that's you... jumping forward. Definitely. Yeah. A bit. Exactly, and we, uh, but then we then formulated a team, which Tony was doing the media side of things, and you know, and we then had this amazing ju these Jubmont horses and Yarkos horses, and uh, yeah, it turned into something pretty pretty special. You know, Noble Mission was a horse when I got there. You know, he was a listed Group Three horse. James Doyle had just come into the job as the Jubmont number one rider. And Noble was a real loose cannon at home. He was a strong, big son, you know, full brother to Frankel Galileo, and he was very forward going. And James and I kind of, and Jane looked at him and his races and realized that he was a horse that really wanted to bowl along in front. And we sort of said like, let's let this horse rock on on the front a little bit and just use his stride. And like, the, the rest is history. I don't know if anyone remembers at Sandown that day in the pouring rain, he just cut loose on the front and they never got him. Then he went to Chester and beat Telescope again. And, you know, it was Jane Cecil, a smallish team. And the horse was like, he won, ended up winning two group ones and he ended up culminating winning, winning the champion stakes. Yeah. And it was a magical two years for me. You know, it was a, he was a very, very special racehorse and it set me up. Um, Good times. Training. You look back on your pupil days and your assistant days, what's the adventure at Fanshawe's, the horse, the time, that really lit up those years at Pegasus for you? I'm delighted we've all got through George's life story, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got plenty and plenty more to give, don't worry about that. <laughs> You're going to hear about Society Rock. You're going to hear about Society Rock, yeah, the dude. Uh, he'd be the most special horse but my time at Fanshawe's just because I actually he wasn't the most talented of the horses that we came through but he was just tough the, but the toughest horse I've ever come across like he was just um, he was quite nasty and just wanted to win and I got there about a month before he ran made his debut and I left the week he retired uh, he was meant to run in the Haydock Sprint Cup uh, and he reared over in his paddock and cracked his head open and how he lived, I will never know. He hated know. the stools? He was a nightmare in the stools. Could have given Black Caviar a real run for his money if he'd jumped the stools properly that day. Was that the day that she asked Black yeah. Caviar, when she, wilt, she was like wilting, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, and she looked awful. Terrible in the paddock. Yeah, looked oh awful. Like she, how she won. This how she won, I will never know. Um, but he was, he was amazing. He was, he was amazing. And because if, if you've been to James's yard, he has a beautiful, beautiful yard, but the front row of boxes where the Colts are, and it's really old and it's stunning. And they were my line every 
morning I'd feed them and Society Rock was part of that and uh, he had to, he was just a nightmare. He hated injections. So every time he had to be injected, you had to literally pin him up against the wall. Um, and he was just, he was a, not an easy horse to deal with, but he was, on his day, he was very good and he won, what did he win? The Golden Jubilee. It's such a loss as well, isn't it, really? And he was go- turning into a very good yeah, stallion. stallion. But we had some unbelievable, like, while I was there, the group one, group one winners were him, Deacon Blues, Hijinx won the Cadra, Seal of Approval won the Phillies and Mare, uh, Spacious didn't win, should have won a Guineas, but was a bit unlucky. Um, then did she win a group one at Aston? No, she never won a group one. And she what was, was Fash like? Because I mean, I think part of the Pegasus experience must be working for James, who is such a great character <laughs> in the town. Me. He's brilliant, he brilliant, brilliant man. They're both, but him and Jacko are barking mad. I'd say that to his face as well. So it's fine. He tore absolute strips off me one morning, didn't he? Oh, Do you remember? Oh, that was a funny morning. Um, there was a big queue down at the bottom of Warren Hill. Basically, Warren Hill is absolute carnage out there because there's so many different different strings, and you're not allowed to take a turn. And um, we 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 took a small turn. I know you because you're at the bottom, right? You, you took that. So George, it was pandemonium at the bottom of the heath, and Fanshawe was walking out on his hack with his string, and George's string were taking a turn, waiting for the tractor to come off, which you're not you're allowed not to do. Allowed it is very do. much. You are, that is against the rules. And poor Alex, who's down the bottom there, so not looking, was on her feet. And James was going mad at her saying, you're not, this is not allowed. And she was saying, the boss is telling me to do it, the boss is telling me to do it. Anyway, I see, I see James then go beeline up the heat. On his hat, galloping up, up that. Galloping up the heat. But at this point, I see Fellows, his stupid red jacket, and he's walking, he's walking up the hill like this. And I know he's down there and I'm thinking, He's, ring, he's ringing me, ringing me, ringing me. And I'm thinking, oh, look, I couldn't give a toss if you're going to have a go at me. I'm not picking up. Anyway, Fanshawe arrives on his hack, starts screaming at me. And uh, I, I think I'd be... All up. I was I doing I, was ringing him to warn me. He was ringing like, to warn me. He was ringing to warn me. I thought he was going to have a, give me a lecture. He did uh, forgive you, though, didn't he? He did, he, he, he did. He was on podcast I, honest, I, I hadn't had a lot of sleep that night. For some, I think that the babies and I... I didn't, I wasn't particularly, I think I gave him a bit back and walked off. And then I was felt, You apologised later, didn't say, you? Yeah, you sent him a message. I, I was embarrassed, yeah. yeah. Now, you alluded to it there. You've both become fathers since we've been doing this podcast. And I often wonder, fatherhood and being a trainer, aren't they sort of conflicting? Um, yours is a 24-7 job being a trainer. Being a parent is something like that too. How hands-on are you both when it comes to Jack and your guys? My son was in our bed at 2.30 last night, <laughs> not asleep. Well, funnily enough, they're best mates. They're, they're the same age yeah. within a month or two, and they hang out. My man. But your guys. Jack calls yeah, yeah, my yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So I do, we do go over and, and oh. hang out. So, no, look, it's um, like anything. I mean, everyone's working and everyone's busy, but it's, they like coming to the yard and they love hanging out. I think, you know, it definitely gives you an added incentive. It's definitely the best thing that's ever happened. And... Yeah, it's like everything. You just make it, make it work, really. And what about young Jack, apple of dad's eye? He's the sweetest yeah, he, little boy. He's good. He comes out on the heath. He looks like his mum. Bumps into... We try and avoid people like David Simcock, who just ch- tries to teach him bad habits. And <laughs> <laughs> well, like smoking? But, <laughs> no. He keeps on going worms, worms. Pick up what I'm trying to get to. <laughs> yeah. <work>. Yeah. <laughs> 
but uh, he loves he loves coming and seeing the horses. Actually, he really likes coming down and seeing the horses. He goes and sees them in the ride and all this lot, um, and get on with him well. So. And, and we've sort of outlined how you have busy lives, but if you do get downtime, what sounds like fun for you? What do you do when you get some time out, time off? What are your hobbies, pursuits, passions away from the sport? Charlie? Golf. Love golf. Very good golfer on a serious note, aren't you? That's my... That's my what release. do you play off? Have you done the new handicap thing or not? Is there a new system? There is a new system. Is there? The World Handicap Index. How yeah, do you there know is. that? I didn't even know that. That's I play off 10, apparently, but yeah, I, yeah, but I haven't you, done the that. New the new system new... might rank you a bit uh, But I get, I get a couple of shots. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, you didn't know that? No. You I smash it, don't you? I can imagine. It's very good. Sorry? Hit it a long way. I've got visions uh, of you. Yeah, but it can go a long eyes. way wrong when it goes wrong. Okay. Yeah, okay. Awful short game. Short game lets me down. What about you on the, um, on the if you've got some time off? Eh? No, I, do, I love sport, as you know. Yeah. yeah, I love all sport, football, cricket. The ashes in two weeks and... Go and, watch, go and watch Chelsea occasionally. He did message me the other day. My football team, Norwich City, were playing at Stamford Bridge and uh, we lost 7-0, which uh, he couldn't wait to tell me about. <laughs> it wasn't a good day to be a canary. No, no, um, no. I mean, but your man, he's, it's, a, it's an absolute death ticket. He's, he's not going to keep up. Keep he's been up. sacked. He got sacked while you no, were no, away. No, Farker. I mean, the new guy. I mean, uh, oh, Dean Smith. Dean Smith. We're not in hospital pass, isn't, isn't it? it? Let's not talk about Norwich. I'm trying to steer clear of that. Charlie, Let's Nottingham talk... Forest are going better. Oh, yeah. How are That's you, your, how you're, are you a, you're a football better. man, aren't you, as well? We played it. We went. One of Charlie's owners, Joe Soizer, um, uh, is, is quite cool. He sponsors Nottingham Forest. And we, Charlie and I, we, we played on the pitch. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a good day, actually. Apart from you, you, you wore a top knot, all the sort of man bun. You took your hair off in a bun, didn't you? Yeah. A man you bun? A look like a, no, not a man bun. Like a, <laughs> they tied it up. It'd be look good now. It'd look really good now. You could it get a proper one. Good, you so you've yeah. tied your hair up and pulled it back to go to you've a You've got to look like a footballer. If you're going to play on we, the city ground, you've got to look like a footballer. We did a penalty shootout. I absolutely spanked it over the bar. Yeah. So embarrassing. There were no fans there, were there? 40,000. No. <laughs> there weren't any fans. No, there. no. It was, uh, no, it was good fun. But look, we played five side football. penalty you have ever seen in your life. It's Literally, so he kept, walked up and it was like he was playing rugby, straight over the posts. <laughs> one, of, one of the best things about doing this podcast has been hearing these ream of tales from you two over the last two or three years. And there's been some crazy capers. And I suppose the one that I'd like if you haven't already heard it, is Charlie to relive his, his wedding day, which does sound <laughs> yeah. like something else. Was that Hugh Grant, Four Weddings and a Funeral? It came straight out of that script. Tell us about that tale one more time. We got married uh, in uh, July 2019. It's 19, definitely 19. And um, it was the hottest day of the year. It was literally, it was absolutely boiling. And... Our vicar that's marrying us was getting on a bit. Um, <laughs> and, but uh, to be honest, I didn't, didn't think anything of it. And everything sort of went smoothly. And we were going through all the beginning part and the hymns. And that all went fine. And then we went up to do our, um, to do our vows. And I promise you, it was literally as he said, do you, Charlie, take Vicky? And he suddenly started sort of staggering. <laughs> and I looked at him and he had gone sheet white, L literally sheet white. And 
um, we were like, are you okay? And we had microphones on, so it could come, came out. So we were like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, I'm fine, fine, fine. <laughs> and he started again, and, li- and as he started again, he literally went bang, and just keeled over <laughs> on the floor. Because he's wearing a microphone and saying it made the full sound even worse than it was. And we sort of gr- grabbed him as he was on the floor. It, it literally, out, I, no, I caught him and then, out, I've never seen anything like it. Anyway, we drag him into the, the like the, the room off the side, <laughs> and we got him there. And he's like, they're wearing like two hundred layers, yeah. so we're like stripping this vicar off <laughs> in, the, in the side room, and like fanning him around. And then um, we were like, said to went out to the audience, is there any doctors in the audience? And a dentist came up. <laughs> Not sure that's Why? really going to help. Uh, there was a doctor there as well. Anyway, we closed off. Is there any more vicars being in there? Cleaning it, sort of cooling him down. And we were like, said to the vicar, look, he was adamant that we sort of carry on. And we were like, look, how about if we give you, buy you some time, we'll carry on with the bits that we don't need you for. And then, yeah, you can come out right at the end and marry us and so we went out and Vicky and I sat down at the front and my best man who I mean he just he was unbelievable I don't know how he did it uh, came out and he basically took control and I just remember the most surreal moment look we've just had a slight problem with the vicar Um, we're just going to need about you know, 15 minutes and then hopefully he's going to come out. So if we could all be upstanding and sing I Vow to Thee My Country. (laughs) (laughs) And so we went on and and we sang, they did the hymns and then we did the readings and the prayer. My dad led the prayers and then we went back in and we were like, how are you doing? And he was like, I can do it, I can do it. And we went and got one of these seats, put them in the front and we sat down and we did it all sitting down. And he, yeah, got us married. And he actually, yeah, he ended up having to go to hospital afterwards. Um, <laughs> but it was... That's it. That it is, was that they say wedding days are unforgettable. That one really was, it. wasn't it? And that that was I wasn't really thinking when I said it at the time, but I think I turned to my wife while we were in the... In the room outside, funny now, it's like, is this a sign? Is this the Lord telling us? <laughs> uh, probably the wrong time to say that, but uh, yeah. Um, moving on and just getting back into racing, obviously next year, another, hopefully another great year for the Off the Bridal podcast syndicates. And I wanted to give you both a little chance to talk about why we started the, the syndicates and kind of what a roaring success they've been, really. Could you imagine that, goodness, this year, Another great year for the syndicates. Charlie, you ought to tell the tale of this year's success story. This year's been a good year. Mm. Bedford House yet to hit the track, but that didn't matter because Eve Lodge flew the flag. And it was about time I pulled my finger out, to be fair, because George Scott's proven to be utterly useless. Even the change of scenery... Didn't didn't manage to like we uh, got a bad ride at Newcastle. At one point we were going hurdling and then (laughs) how's he getting on? Uh, he's a pain because he's not a great lead horse. Oh, really? I, he led a couple of two-year-olds the other day uh, and completely mucked up a gallop by, <laughs> by going way too fast. He's been retired to Charlie's as a, probably sounds like Jack's first pony. No, because he's a nightmare. No, he's actually, he'll, be, he'll lead for the moment and then I'll probably find him at home in due course when I find a better replacement. But um, he's good. But this year was amazing and we, you know, we bought, um, Eve Lodge, who for not very much money at all, uh, and it quickly became apparent that she was 
well above average. Um, uh, she was pretty unlucky on her debut at Ascot where she ran a really eye-catching race and then she promptly hacked up at Lingfield. Um, I mean, what did you pay for her? 10, 12, 14? 12. It's an amazing story, really. It really is an amazing story for the syndicate. Wow. You know, 12 grand. This, the, roll, the roller coaster ride we went on, we obviously sold her to these American guys. And I didn't know the guy at all. He bought her privately and has turned out to be the nicest guy you could possibly deal with. He's an absolute pleasure. And he's subsequently bought a couple more horses as well, which is amazing. And Eve... After Ascot, she disappointed Ascot. I couldn't work out why. We were really disappointed because we thought she had her ground and we thought she'd run a big race. And then she went to Yarmouth and she got beaten in an auction race at Yarmouth. I was like, oh my God. She's I was so thinking good. at this point, happy days. Yeah. <laughs> what on Thank earth? God for that. We, we crashed out at the right time. Yeah. And then subsequently, yeah, she the, got beat the winner by, of the uh, Yarmouth race went and won a Group 3. We then subsequently won a group three and she's back on track and yeah. Ran it, she ran it in the she ran in the Nell Gwyn on ground that was a bit too oh, sorry, Nell Gwyn, Cheveley Park, ground that was too quick and she just got a bit outpaced and then stayed on and got a little bit unlucky um, in running, but would never have troubled them. And if she was the flag bearer in year two, um obviously was sold, but the flag bearer in year one was Charlie Fellows. He won three, didn't he, in a, on the bounce and then looked like you know, it looked like he's going to be a really fun three-year-old sprinter. You know, at Chester, he ran a career best mm. on, his on his last start. And then sadly, you know, sadly, he uh, got colitis and we had, we had to put him down, which was, which was very sad. Um, but, you know, he was going to be a proper, proper sprinter, I think, you know. But anyway, so to, to have him in the first year, Eve Lodge in the second year, you've had good, healthy returns on, on both, both in, in both years. And... Um, you know, we have we, we told have we told the story about Tassel. You're about to stroke my no, ear. No, I'm not showing you. Let's <laughs> playing with this. <laughs> <laughs> we told the story about Tassels, how they got the how they got the. So, no, you so, tell it. So the I missed it. The recent yearling sales. Some friends of ours had George Scott's younger brother, and they were stayed pin hooked him. They bought him as a foal, yep. and they were selling him. And for some reason, I don't know why Tassels thought that George Scott had died and that Charlie Fellows was still alive. So in the catalogue, it said, um, it said the, the, the relation of George Scott, George Scott died as a three-year-old. And so they had to uh, announce at the rostrum and in the parade ring, as the yearling came in, we're delighted to report that actually George Scott hasn't died. It's not dead. Uh, yeah. It's just and, useless. And <laughs> very good, very droll. So yeah. this year we have two more horses. In the yeah, third. yeah, yeah. Charlie's gonna go on his kind of kooky, like spiritual thing. I had this feeling and I ended up in Berry and <laughs> found this horse. Um, Ely. Ely, Ely. Same, play, same, same, but different. But you tell the story. I mean, it's so you. I saw it and I just didn't like it. And then the phone emailed. No, no, no. I did like it. I did no, you like liked it. You liked it, but you didn't want to buy Anyway, tell the story. So I was, I was, I can't remember why I saw her because she wasn't on any list. And I think they must have asked me to look at her. But I, I have no reason, no idea why I, look, why I looked at her. But because she hadn't been put up to me by an agent. Well, this is the unfortunately filly. This is the unfortunately filly, which is an She's unfortunate name, but we're going to name her yeah. at some stage. But I don't know why I looked at her, because she hadn't been put up to me by a bloodstock agent. I definitely hadn't picked her out on pedigree. Um, but I got an email about two weeks after the sale saying, you looked at this filly. 
what did you think of her? And I went back and looked at my catalogue, which I keep, and looked at my notes, and my notes were glowing. I, lo I loved her. And I, she must have got missed off a shortlist. I don't really know why. So I said, I actually really liked her. What's the deal? And he said, well, look, we didn't sell her. Would you be interested in coming out to see her? And I said, yeah, no problem. Where is she? And she's in Ely, which is very close by. Um, I'll come and see her on this day. Anyway, went and looked at her, loved her. And was like, I definitely will take her. I think she's lovely. Um, and it's gone from there. And they've actually, Alex, bought a share? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, they bought, so the guys that owned her, sold her to us, have bought a share in the podcast. Perfect. Because uh, they wanted to continue with her. And Is she, she's in, she's she, broken, she's at mine, she's she, cantering. Oh, right, great. Um, and okay. she's great, straightforward, really nice, not doing much, but none of the yearlings are, and I couldn't be happy with her. Fantastic. How much did I pay for her? Not much. Eight grand, ten no, grand? No, you left the budget for me, like normal. <laughs> <laughs> you went and spanked uh, no. the whole budget. How much George, did you spend on yours? Well, you I bought the ad the rest of the budget. <laughs> you bought the Ade cult at the, um, the Somerville sale. Yeah, I, I, this is a very nice cult. Very forward, forward horse, good, deep girth, big hip on him. He's going to be sharp, and he's really, I'm very pleased with him. Um, he was bought by, from John Troy, who's a really well, well, highly regarded um, consigner, isn't he? Sold. Hurricane, what's he called? Lane. Hurricane Correct. Lane. Yeah, sold Hurricane Lane, and um, um, he's just a big, big walking horse. He's by a day, who I actually think is not a bad stallion. He hasn't, he doesn't, hasn't flown at the moment, but he's a big walking, big walking horse. And you know he's had a, had plenty of winners, and I um, I'm really really pleased with him. He's just looks sharp, and um, I think both horses probably will kind of. We've always actually had a good idea of where the syndicate would end up. You, know, you said I'll go first and I'll go second, but I think these horses are gonna probably be ready at about the same time. No, but I'm delighted with horses, and I wanted something sharp, and there is something sharp. I wanted to say also, boys, when we formed the podcast syndicates, we, we viewed them very much as a social uh, thing as well as a racing entity. And COVID has obviously put yeah. pay to that a little bit. But we're hoping next year should open up a lot more fun elements and stable visits, etc. Because we always envisaged that would be a key part of it, didn't we? No, definitely. 100%. And I think we want to do more more stuff like this, and this is you know this is what we this is the reason that we set up the syndicates was to do that, and obviously COVID really scuppered that. But you know more events like this, you know hopefully use Fitstairs as well because they have some you know great facilities. Great facilities. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're club. This syndicate sold out, re selling really really quick. I think there's only a, there's only a few handful left. of shares sold out really well. Very few shares left. You need to get in quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Fitstairs, our podcast partner, oh, yeah. have very kindly Bobby, given us uh, a charity <laughs> bet each of exorbitant um, stake this year. It's £500 each for you to nominate a winner with the Bobby British Racing School will receive... Fantastic. Charity partner. That is, we like that. So... You've got to find a winner, lads. It doesn't matter whether Easy. the winner's tomorrow, next Easy. week, or next month. Don't say else you're in the Tingle Creek. No. Come on, let's find us a, a winter winner in the next few weeks. Right. But it'd be before Christmas. Yeah, and we'll Whatever. flag it up on our Twitter platform. You guys, what horse am I going to say? Come on, come on. We haven't so got I have got a new recruit in the yard that I think could be absolutely thrown in wherever it runs. Can it's you use the name, the name? Diavolo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do we agree, folks? Yeah. The Bedford House. Diavolo, there you go. Will win. Absolutely. 
And so wherever that runs on its first start, that'll be where I want my charity bet to go. I don't have a clue where it's going to run. We haven't got that far yet, but I think the charity it's bet before Christmas. Move before Christmas. George, in true, I'm going to be very patient and in, 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 in true me style and put Jack the Truth up tomorrow night at Jumps Oh, no! Oh, George. You Come on. Wait, it's favourite. setting light at 500 I'm, quid. So what? So are you probably. When did Jack the Truth tomorrow night. I'm the only one that's tipped a winner on this podcast. 20 to 1. Jack the Truth tomorrow night. Yeah. I think we'll call time on this. Lovely to see you all. Thanks so much for coming tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is us for the year. We're all off for a bit of a break. And given our rather irregular pattern of episodes in 2021, we will try and do better next season. We promise. A few thank yous, first and foremost, to our brilliant sponsors, Fitstairs, not just for tonight, but for their overall encouragement for the Off the Bridal podcast series. Thanks too to our spiritual home, the King's Head Dullingham, and a big thumbs up to our magnificent producer, Carl Homer from Cambridge TV. Finally, thank you to all of you for listening throughout the year. To one and all, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Goodbye. Goodbye.